We are so glad that you're here. If we only get the chance to tell you one thing, it's this. Give yourself some grace. We want to help you redefine failure and break down the intentional, internal work that it takes to know and love who you are. So that you can stop worrying about what other people think of you. Create consistent habits and thoughts that are going to serve you. Experience more peace and less anxiety. And confidently show up as your true self. I'm Jenny. I'm Joe. And this is Of Progress and Purpose. Hello friends! I am super excited for you guys to hear today's interview. It's one of our first guest interviews and Amber is amazing. She shared so much that has been on my mind that I'm so excited to share with you guys and we do our confession sessions on there. So look forward to that. But before we get started, our affirmation for today's episode is I am enough. I am inherently worthy. I am free. I am intentional. I am aligned. And next week we're talking about story versus identity. And I couldn't have planned it better that Amber gives so many practical, helpful tips for how to know and love who you are. And kind of that crisis moment when you realize that you don't know what that looks like and where to go from there which I think is at the root of failure in a lot of ways because that feeling that we aren't staying true to who we are, that's when we feel like a failure, even if we haven't put our finger on it yet. And how do we walk in that? That's what we're talking about today. So to introduce our guest, Amber Vuick is a wife and a mama of three little kids. She's an LDS Christian writer and speaker, and she's also a history major and a social studies teacher, which comes in handy because she has this huge passion for sharing her faith and helping others build a relationship with Jesus. I always love hearing about scripture from a historical context. And she has this new series on her Instagram called Undaunted Women, all about Christian women from history that I'm just, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for the next one. It's awesome. So we actually met through Instagram and I'm super grateful that she was willing to come on here and share some of her struggles with us. I think sometimes when we make it through something really hard, we feel this pull to help other people do the same thing. And you can really see that fire in her interview today. So let's jump in. Hi, Amber. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for being willing to come on and share with us. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Jenny. (laughs) Why don't we start with our confession sessions? (laughs) So I am an Amazon Prime junkie. (laughs) I get everything shipped to my house. So much so that sometimes the mailman will call me. He has my phone number and he'll say, hey, I've got a big one for you today. Can you come down and get it? Because our mailbox is a little bit a ways away. We've got one of those community boxes. So the mailman and I were on a first name basis. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes, we get a lot from Amazon too. Um, I can confess that I am somebody that forgets when I'm doing laundry and I have had to rewash laundry multiple times because it has sat in the washing machine. 
all day, sometimes through the night. And I was worried that it was going to get moldy. So I've had to rewash. I think one load I had to do like three times once because I just like kept forgetting it was in there. So that's really awesome. (laughs) It is. I have been there, done that. So no judgment on this end. (laughs) In fact, we just have, I have like one of those Papasan chairs and, uh, that's where all the clean laundry goes. It goes in the chair. It doesn't get folded and put in the drawers these days. <laughs> I hear ya. Mine will sit in the bins for a very long time. And the kids will get put away because it's on their chore list. And I make them do that. But mine will, my particular clothes will sit there for months. Like, okay, not maybe not months because eventually I wear all of them. But <laughs> they, will, they won't be in there for a while. Uh, whatever. I've decided that there's just some things that I have to let go of or else I will be crazy trying to do all the things. And that's just one of the things that I have let go of. So that's good. It's a something to be embraced, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. I love that. Well, I told these guys a little bit about you, but just for a fun kind of icebreaker, What is one thing that you would love to do this year for 2021? Oh, that's a very loaded question. Um, (laughs) I would love to, if I, if I could find more time in my day, I just need like a couple more hours to really start getting back into exercising. Not because like I, um, I just feel like I feel mentally better when I'm exercising. And I also feel like my muscles are like slowly wasting away (laughs) because I don't do anything. And like for Halloween, we were trick or treating and I was my daughter and we had been out forever and my daughter's three and she was like, Mom, can you give me a piggyback ride home? I was like, sure. And so I squatted down and like lifted her up and I could barely stand up. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's like maybe 40 pounds. <laughs> I can't really like squat her, you know, like stand up with her on my back. And I was like, yeah, I've got to get, I got to get it together. So that would probably, it is definitely something that I've been thinking about, but I have to figure out how to work it back into my, my life right now. So, yeah, that makes sense. Well, first of all, kids definitely give you a workout, (laughs) but I did see on your Instagram, I think it was a while ago about how you used to run track and cross country and then got into intuitive eating from there. So I can see how it would be like hard to reestablish a healthy relationship with, you know, moving your body. And, and I struggle with that a lot too. I do it for my anxiety and that's, I have to run or else I'm going to be really angry with my kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm much happier with my kids. My kids will probably be much happier if I'm running. (laughs) But um, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I'll talk a little bit about running and everything for sure later. So all kind of part of life journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're we're excited to get into it and hear from you today. So, I really am just going to turn the time over to you. We wanted to 
kind of illustrate this principle of the rock bottom not being the end of the story for people who are struggling with failure right now. And I think especially with everything that current events has brought on, that that's a lot of us or all of us. And even if not, because I asked on my Instagram a while ago, has 2020 really been that crazy for you? And if not, cool. And I was surprised that quite a few people said, actually, it's been normal for us. But I think that everybody has trials and it might not be the same as somebody else's. So I just wanted to hear from other people and see what that looks like and see how you've responded to it. So I really appreciate that you're willing to come on here and do that for us. So our questions today are, what is your rock bottom moment? And looking back, would you change it or what would you change? Okay, well, we'll just get into it. Um, you know, I thought about a lot of different things that happened in my life, and I decided to go with some of my personal experiences that happened when I was in college. So I wanted to give you a little bit of background because I didn't go to a normal college. I went to a military college, and I went on a running scholarship like you um, stated before. But the college was not what I anticipated. Um, and number one, it was the college itself. You, it's you're in barracks and you can't leave campus. So it's um, unless you have like a free weekend pass and stuff like that. It's basically like being in the military, but you're also in college. <laughs> so yeah. So it was a very stark contrast to like the home that I had grown up in um, that was very like Christ-centered and, you know, kind of like the sanctuary from the world, um, if you will, to going, jumping into a college lifestyle, also on top of um, military lifestyle. And I was now running as like my job, essentially. So running was no longer just something I loved. I was now paying my way through college by doing it. So there were a lot of changes all at once. And um, so I, as my running career progressed and as I was at the school longer, um, you know, things in my life had changed a lot. And my running coach was very different from the coaches that I'd had in high school, not always the most, he was not the most supportive coach. Like for instance, if you did poorly in a race, he was not going to come over and talk to you afterwards. So there was not a lot of like emotional support as far as like going through that process. Or feedback. Yeah, there's no feedback really. It was just, you knew he was mad <laughs> and that was it. So, um, and my identity, so much of my identity was that I was a runner, you know, like, that's what I did. That's who I was. I ran, you know, and I had other pieces of myself, but this was a piece of myself that I had really developed and I had worked on for years and that I really loved about who I was and I was good at it. And so as the years progressed, my freshman year, I did okay. But because of the style of the school, you had to wake up in the morning to make sure you were at formations. You had to attend classes. You had to be at lunch formation. You had to be at dinner formation. There were all these regulations that made it much harder to be successful as an athlete because it really conflicted with your 
ability to sleep and do schoolwork. And so you were up late because you had to, all these other military duties that you had to address. And so there were lots of things on my plate. So freshman year, I did okay. Um, sophomore year was a little bit better. I kind of tried to, to figure out how to juggle it. And then my junior year, I had some pretty rough things happen. Over Christmas break, one of my very best friends in college died in a car accident. And up to this point, I had not been really doing all the things I needed to be doing to make sure that my life was like in a good spot, mentally, emotionally, all those things spiritually to like handle something that catastrophic. And so when that happened, it kind of just like totally rocked my world. And I had already been kind of rocky up to that point. And this just like put it over the edge. Right. Completely over the edge in the deepest water I'd ever been in. And so I kind of went through this really intense period. I was on Christmas break and it was, you know, at about two weeks off and I was at home with my family and I just kind of went to town emotionally eating. And so I went back to campus much heavier than I had left, which if you're running on a scholarship is not going to be okay because you're need to be in tip top shape. Right. And so I go back and I had put on a lot of weight and I was dealing with all of these emotions and it was not really a place to process or be able to deal with emotions of that level. And so I got really into a bad place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of that. And so, and then my, to top it off, I started to get back and kind of like lose the weight and was trying to like find my way back to where I needed to be again. And then I hurt myself somehow. I I got compartment syndrome and in my leg and I had to have surgery. So this was like mm, April, um, March, March, April timeframe. And so I had to have surgery. And so that was the end of my junior year. And so that summer I tried to train and like get back into shape, but I was just really struggling. My leg didn't, it just didn't seem to be progressing and healing well. And then I went into the fall and cross country season and all this stuff. And, and I never really got back to normal. And to this day, even when I go run, like it will still bother me sometimes. And I mean, that was when I was, so I'm 36 now I was like 20 when I had the surgery. And so 16 years later, it'll still like, just be bothersome at times. But it is what it is, you know, old injuries, they never really heal the same way they did before. And so anyways, and like I had explained before, a lot my a lot of my identity, who I was, had been in the fact that I was a runner and I ran well and I was good, right? And so then I go into college and I am not excelling at the level that I feel like I would should be. My coach is not who I thought I was going to be running for and, and not who I really needed personally in a coach. Maybe some people would thrive under the way he coached, but I did not. And I never ran faster in college than I did in high school. And for me, that was devastating. And so I had gone to college on the starting scholarships with the hopes of really excelling in that. And that was not what happened for me. And 
at the end of, by the end of my senior year, I had just, I'd never been able to get back into it. So my best seasons were probably my fall season of my junior year. And then my sophomore year was okay. And that was really hard for me. And, and even after I graduated, I had for years, just like this, like I felt guilty because I had like failed at this thing that, you know, that was so much of who I was, but I had to come to the realization that there were just other lessons and things that needed, I needed to be learning during my time period at that school. And that running was, was not what was not necessarily my major purpose there in the grand scheme of life, I guess. So eventually I was able to just kind of have to pull myself out of the reality that my identity does not involve the fact that I was a runner. My identity can exist in many different places and in, in who in who I am and what I do. And and but to let go of that was was a big to overcome that was, was really hard for me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a big change. And I think many of us have gone through stages of identity crisis. And at that point, it's not just a loss of this thing that you thought made up who you are, but also what am I going to fill that space with? If it isn't that, then where do I go from here? So it can be super overwhelming, especially like you said, if you haven't really done any of the emotional or mental thought work beforehand. And I think a lot of us never come into that realm until we're forced to. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think for me at the end of the day, like in regards to your, do I regret it question? um, 100% no. I know that I was supposed to go to that school. There were things I needed to learn there and things that had to be strengthened within myself that were were outside of running. And, you know, I had to walk through that, that path, that fire in order to come out of it the way that I, I needed to be in order to face other challenges later in life. But, you know, and to recognize that, I could be who I was and am without a specific thing or purpose, you know, like my life didn't have to be tied to one specific thing or purpose. You know, I could do lots of things and find joy in lots of things and, and have joy in my life without something that I had felt like was, was me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder for you, what did those next steps look like? How did you decide what you were going to fill the hole with and how do you do that in a way that's not just another irreplaceable item? Because I, I feel like for myself and running was a big thing for me too. And injuries are the worst. They always get in the way. But then when that happens, I'm like, okay, so I'm not a runner. I must be a baker. And then I try something else. And then I just get to this point where I realize it's not something that I do. It's something that I am becoming and something that I also inherently already am. 
So what did that journey kind of look like for you? Well, I, um, it's a big question. (laughs) For me, the journey took many different twists and turns along the path of coming to the point and the kind of the steps that I took is kind of going to square one of the basis of who am I at the base of my soul, right? Like who am I? And then building from there, you know, who do I want to be regardless of what I feel like I should be, or the world is telling me I should be, or the labels that we all put on ourselves that we feel like we have to fit into these boxes. And -and so-and-so was doing this. So I should be doing this and da, 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 da. It was more of like, okay, well, what do I want? And what makes me feel happy? And it doesn't have to be a label. It can be just, um, you know, a mission as a sip, a, a, a mindset, if you will, instead of it just being like, well, I have to be this, you know, and I, or I have to be this. And, and so that's kind of how I've, I feel like I've tried to remove the box of like having to have a label to everything that I'm doing. And I'm not always successful. Sometimes I definitely am like, oh, but I, I have to be this, right. You know, you know, but, and then I have to step back and say, okay, well, let's go back to that surface who am I? And like, I liked what you said, what are my inherent gifts that I have already, I I know that I have within me and what can I do with those gifts to bring joy to my life and to others? Because for me, that's my ultimate goal, right? Like whether I, my labels now, whether I'm a mom or a wife or a teacher, you know, those labels that I still have, and those are fine for me, but that doesn't have to be the only thing I am. Yeah. I love what you said about shoulds and feeling that pressure of external expectations, especially in the environment that you were talking about with military school and your coach and not having that support. It's so easy to internalize external expectations and not realize that we're doing it. I remember um, one of the people that I follow on Instagram coaching with Jacqueline I don't know if you've seen her account. <laughs> oh yeah, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. She had an ask me anything box up one time and I said, I'm really struggling because every time I say I'm going to sa- save money and I really want to save this money, but I'm just doing so bad at it. <laughs> and she said, if you wanted to save money, you would be doing it. And I thought, oh my gosh. I just realized that was an external expectation, but it wasn't coming from anyone specifically. I just had internalized it. And I realized that it wasn't my personal passion behind it. And I think that if people can start asking the kind of questions that you're posing, what is at the base of my soul? What are my inherent gifts? And what can I do with those? That's gonna give us so much more ability to implement our values when we know what they are for real. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I love how you said that, especially like you were talking about with the state of everything in the world and, and all the upheaval that has seemed to come in the last like year and all of a sudden it just was like, boom, (laughs) you know? So, and I think a lot of people are feeling that, okay, well I have X, Y, and Z but is that really who I want to be? Is that really what I want in my life? 
Is that what I want to be spending my days doing in my, and this beautiful, precious life that we've all been given? Is that really who I want to be? And like last year, my um, word, I didn't pick a word for this year because I needed to just like give my brain a break. But last year, my word was um, free. And I picked the word freedom because I wanted to free myself from like you were talking about those expectations that I put on myself and that I allow others to put on me. Like you said, unconsciously allow them to put on me and internalize them and then feel like I have to be a certain way because that's who I should be. And whether it's within, you know, my friend community, my family, my church community, whatever it is, and and instead just allow myself to be who I wanted to be. Yeah. That's so powerful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. It's, um, I mean, it's a work in progress, right? Like there are definite days where I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing, but I think that that's the same for everybody. Right. And so then that's where you have to like, go back to those, like that center moment and just remind yourself of who you are and and what you want from life and try to shut out the external, like you said, so even like just like self-imposed ideas of what you think you should look like, you know, in any way, whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual, whatever, and, and just allow yourself to be that it's, it's easier said than done. <laughs> Agreed. I, I, I'm still working on all of that too. And it's so funny because I feel like once you know how important it is, then it it feels like it should come easily. (laughs) But that's just another should to be added to the pile that I'm working to combat. So, (laughs) right. But I think, like, kind of going back to your previous question about how that you kind of get along that way. I think it, for me, I focused a lot um, on just like intention, you know, like every day making sure I was intentional about what I was feeding myself through whether it was social media or what I was reading or whatever. And, and my thoughts and my actions, because if you're then, if you're intentional about what you're putting into your, your body and your mind and and all those things, then it's easier for you to produce the result that you want. Right. If we're just saying, like you were saying with the money, you know, like if, if you, if you want X, Y, Z, then you have to be willing to be intentional about achieving that. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword because if you are not sure what those values are, then it's hard to be intentional about it. So it's it's kind of messy in the beginning, especially. And I think that that's okay. But trying counts for something. I really love that you specifically focused on freeing yourself and the word freedom from those, whether they're self-imposed or external expectations, because that's a good place to start. I feel like if we don't know who we are, there's a quote, I can't remember. I'll have to look it up, but something to the effect that start with what you know you aren't 
and strip away those pieces and what is left is going to be who you are. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You'll have to find it and send it to me. Um, And it can be scary, like erasing that built up identity or like, you know, that house that you've put around yourself because that is your safe, comfortable space. It can be really daunting, you know, but at the same time, when you get to that end of that road, um, I just believe it'll be so worth it rather than living in, in this this box, this house that you've built around yourself because it's this false sense of like security and identity when it's really just something that I, I believe just kind of shields us from really finding that true joy in our lives through our, our true selves. And like, I think it can also be uncomfortable because we may have people in our lives that don't want us to be changing, you know, or they, they have decided that we are a certain way. And if we decide that we're really not that way, that can cause friction and who wants to have that, you know? And so I think there's so many aspects and layers to it, but ultimately, you know, breaking down that mold, that, that mold in our lives is, is so beneficial to our, our growth and our like mental and spiritual and emotional health if we can just feel like control of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that even as it's uncomfortable, it's also freeing in that way that you can give yourself permission to let go of some of those relationships. And maybe it's not entirely and that relationship just changes. But I think that's a good example with everything happening right now. I struggle with people pleasing (laughs) so much and I hate conflict and it gives me so much anxiety. But the more that I can bring it back to my roots and say, okay, this is what I need right now. This is what my intention is right now and my purpose and that will maybe pivot and that's okay too but if I'm in alignment with that then it's okay and you can let go of some of that anxiety so I appreciate that perspective yeah well coming I am a fellow people pleaser have a a card holding member so I (laughs) I understand completely and that is something that I have I worked on a lot as well is, is focusing on, like I said, that freeing that, that piece of me of feeling like I had to fit something and, and no, I, I'm going to do this because it makes me happy. And if you're not happy about it, then I don't know what to tell you, but I'm not changing it. So, (laughs) and it makes it easier for you to, to feel justified in chasing what you want in those dreams because you've established within yourself that desire instead of feeling like you're just like well I don't really know who I am or what I want to do with my life (laughs) so do you feel like obviously you're in a much different place than you were then but do you feel like you're you've figured that answer to that question out who am I what's my identity I think what I have discovered is that it can be fluid, that it doesn't have to be 
one thing all the time and that, and that that's okay. You know, like hanging on to, I am a runner. I am this, I am, I feel like it just, it shuts us off to so many other beautiful things that we could have in our lives. And, and, and so I feel like our identity can ebb and flow with what season we're in and with, you know, what we need, what we need at that time period. But that's definitely not something that when I was in college or like an adolescent or even in my twenties that I understood or was comfortable with, because it's way easier to just say, well, I am this, (laughs) you know, instead of, instead of saying, well, you know, maybe this is what I, I'm doing for a while. And then maybe I'll go on to the next thing that is fills me with joy and that's okay. And maybe not for everybody. It's fluid. Maybe some people are just that one thing and they're studying that and that brings them joy. And that's okay too. Like all of our walks of life are different. And, but for me, I feel like as I've, as for me, I feel like it's, it can kind of be fluid. I feel like at this point in my life, I've definitely centered on what I want to have happen for me and what I want my mission to be as I've gone through that identity, um, you know, my core identity and building upon my gifts and how I want to use them in my life. Um, so I definitely feel like I've come to a place where I'm comfortable saying that, you know, I'm a teacher and, and I like to teach people and, and that's something that I'm comfortable with labeling myself as that will probably never change. Um, but other parts of my life may ebb and flow, you know, I don't know if that answered your question. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was, that was a perfect way to wrap up, I think. And, and I feel like even in saying the concepts of fluidity and rigidity are definitely more um, life experience concepts because I didn't understand that either until I get encountered with more and more things that I feel like aren't black and white. Um, But even as you're saying that, you give space that, hey, maybe for somebody else, it is going to be rigid and it is going to look different. And that's something that I wouldn't have even thought of because I talk so much about knowing what works for you and what works for you might be different than what works for me. But yet in my head, I'm like, but what works for me is the right way. (laughs) I love that you are able to do that. And I think that, that giving ourselves that freedom to ebb and flow and allowing room for that change, but also allowing room for somebody who it may work differently for that really just discovering who we are is going to be individual and it's going to be ongoing. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yep. And and I think that as long as you're being true to who you are and not what you feel like others feel like you should be, then you'll be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we end? <laughs> no, um, I really appreciate you giving me um, the opportunity to come and share. And I feel really honored and humbled to be able to share with you and your listeners. And I think you're doing a really awesome thing here. So thank you for that. And I just hope that no matter what, people will always be able to 
recognize that whoever they are inside deep down in there is, is okay. You know, whatever that looks like. And as long as we're all trying our best and trying to be true to who we are, then, then I think that we're, we're walking that path that we should be walking and, and that's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. And thank you. I feel honored as well. And I really just appreciate your being willing to be here and talk about some of the harder things. So thank you. Do you have any projects or anything that you wanted to shout out that is coming down the pipeline for you? I am speaking at a conference called Seek Connected. And so that'll be fun. That's in February. I am working on a project of my own that is kind of my, so I'm a history major and I am a social studies teacher by trade. I'm still teaching social studies, but I've also kind of transferred my love of teaching into more of a um, Christian realm. And so um, I'm working on a project called Undaunted Women and just kind of highlighting Christian women throughout history and backing it up with research and their fortitude and their fearlessness and strength in the face of adversity. And so I'm releasing those um, videos every week on my um, Instagram, Simply a Warrior. And so if anyone wants to watch them, they're less than five minutes, so it doesn't take up too much of your time. But um, yeah, I just released the first one last week. So I saw it and it was awesome. So I definitely recommend people go check that out. And I know a few people in the seat connected as well. So we'll throw a link up to that, but that'll be exciting. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you again for having me on. Thank you for being here. Okay, you guys, isn't she awesome? I was just blown away by the things that Amber felt impressed to share because it really was so relevant to so much of what we do here. Identity is huge for me. It's one of my struggles that I just feel like I learned so much. Our one-liner for today's episode is whoever you are, deep down in there is enough. And for our journal prompt, remember in elementary school when they would tell you to fold a paper hot dog or hamburger style? (laughs) So fold a paper hot dog style and on the left, I want you to make a list of the shoulds or expectations you adhere to that might not really be who you are. And then on the right, ask yourself, when you strip those expectations away, What is left at the base of your soul? What inherent gifts do you have? What core values are important to you? And for your homework, Joe's not here to give the teachers homework, but (laughs) the next time an opportunity or a choice comes up for you this week, whether it's saying yes to a commitment or taking something off of your to-do list that just isn't going to fit or adding something like an outing with the kids or a workout or a lunch with a friend or a shower, Go back to that list that you made, make an intentional decision, and see if having those values carved out helps you at all. I really think that it will. And then for our recap, I also made a list of some of my takeaways from the things that Amber talked about. Sometimes what we think will happen doesn't happen. Put in the thought work to know who you are before that crisis mode sets in. Number two, identity doesn't have to have a label. Identity and joy can exist in many different places. It doesn't have to be wrapped up in just one thing. Three, sometimes we have to walk through fire in order to know our strength. 
Four, let go of external or self-imposed ideas of what you think you should look like, whether that's physical, spiritual, emotional, and just allow yourself to be. Five, be intentional about what you're feeding your body, mind, and spirit. Six, it's okay to be messy. Seven, start by the process of elimination. Strip away the pieces of who you aren't, and what is left will be who you are. Eight, you probably will feel discomfort along the way. There will be people who don't want you to change, and there will be lack of familiarity with changing yourself, but breaking down that mold will help you find the freedom that comes with living as your truest self. Nine, identity and purpose can be fluid. It ebbs and flows and opens you up to more opportunities along the way. Or for some people, identity looks like being steady in just one thing, and that's what brings you joy. So you get to decide what works best for you. 10, give space and allow room for identity to be an individual ongoing process. And remember that whoever you are deep down in there is okay. Be true to that and not to who others feel you should be. And if you're listening, you guys can find Amber at simplyawarrior.com or simply.a.warrior is her handle on Instagram. So I'm just super appreciative that we got to have that conversation today, and I hope it was helpful for you guys. Spread love. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Tell us how the journal prompts are going for you, what you learned, or what you need the most right now. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Of Progress and Purpose. And if you ever think of someone who might like to hear us think out loud too, feel free to share the podcast with a friend. It doesn't matter how you do it. Most of all, thank you for being part of our community. We know your time is valuable and we hope you love spending it here as much as we love having you. See you next week.